Welcome, listeners. Today, our topic is going to be trends in developing leaders. What's current? Where is our current focus? And what are the things that will never change in leadership development? I'm sitting here with Ralph Twombly. How are we doing today, Ralph? Terrific, Michael. Thank you again for coming and hosting our, our uh, talks. Absolutely. So uh, what's the sport to watch this fall? Because, you know, we got football, we got hockey, basketball's coming up any minute now. Well, I can only speak my perspective and tell you that um, the Patriots are painful. We'll, we'll have to, if you're looking for a little pain, that's the place to dial in, particularly if you're a big fan. If you happen to be a fan of somebody else, it might be joy. So <laughs> I think the Bruins are exciting. So we'll uh, maybe out in courts out on that too. Right. So we're going over the trends in developing leaders. So let's just dive in here. How has developing people changed in the last, let's say, 15 years? I, it, to me, it's the question nobody asks, so thank you for asking. I think uh, there has been dramatic changes. I've been doing this since the, in this company, I started this company in 1995. And even in that period of time, there's a lot that has changed. I think, first of all, we learned um, a while back that adult learners are very different than children. And I think a lot of leadership development in the past has been built like you build it in school. You know, you learn your ABCs by being exposed and you're pretty much a blank slate. So we also find out that the world of, of development is two things. One's it's abstract. Uh, you can't go at people in, people in linear models. They don't think like that. They think in odd shapes and sizes. The other thing it is, it's very visual. So we, we, there's a lot of visual learning that goes on with adult learners. And we, we find that the more interactive, in other words, the more they are involved in solving a problem, dealing with an issue, uh, diving down on a new idea, the more they learn. So that's changed fairly dramatically. And I think it's part and parcel of our success is that we don't stand in front of audiences for long periods of time and tell them how to be a, a better uh, leader. We spend a lot of our time in exercises and activities and it works. And, and it's what they remember most. We know because at the end of a program, when people say, wow, I learned so much from my fellow uh, people in this program, we know we've, earned, we've done our job because that's a, how adults learn. That's the newest trend. Um, uh, what's, it's, uh, maybe I'll expand the question and say, what hasn't, what, what's, hasn't worked? We find that nobody writes an original book about leadership anymore. Everything is a regurgitation mm -hmm. of a good idea long ago. I like them and I like to read them because every once in a while I'll stumble onto a really good uh, nugget like Simon Sinek or Adam Grant or Brenny Brown. And these are brilliant, talented 21st century gurus in this work. But it's people are fading away from the idea that they can pick it up and read it. How's that? Yeah. What is one of the biggest differences? in how you were trained to be a leader, to how you, like, cause you know, not aging you or anything, but what's the difference between the 70s and 80s into the early 90s kind of business mentality versus the 2000s and beyond? Cause I feel like there's been a significant shift in the American dynamic. I think there has. Let me tell you what's different. I didn't get any preparation for this at all. So, and that was just my short answer. And we hadn't had preparation. Until one day I was around a, an amazing guy named Chuck Wilson who brought us all into a session and, and brought people in to teach us how to lead. I think the, the trends over the years 
have been to do things inside an organization, which has its limits. <clears throat> For instance, you'll learn a lot about what's going on inside your organization. But when you do these things inside, people get called away to meetings. They, they seem to not be as connected because they're away from their desk for a moment. We get them off-site. When you get people off-site, it seems to be a trend. Everybody's kind of jumping. So these days, more people want their audiences to come to us instead of us going to them. Mm -hmm. and, and because they, they realize the privilege of being outside of their premises is a big deal. Just the simple things like putting out a good lunch and, and making sure that there's plenty of coffee and, and, and good things to eat that are healthy is a real um, development cue for people. I also think more and more people are getting the idea that they've got to do this kind of work with their people. Mm. And maybe, and I don't, I don't want this to come across as a bias, but I, I'm going to give a lot of credit to women entering in leadership roles. I think women uh, entering these leadership roles has been a, a, a real lifesaver for business in many ways. They, they tend to view business a little differently than men do. Mm -hmm. and, and that different view has really accelerated, I think, the organizational development work that goes on. So, and, and I, by the way, a lot of men get it too. So I just, I just think those are some of the things that, that we see that are happening. Cool. So how are progressive organizations developing their people these days? I think the most progressive organizations jump into a, a topic that we'll cover in another session, which is probably continuous learning, lifetime learning. I think we realized somewhere along the way, and we'll talk about this more because I think it's coming up in another, another podcast. Um, the idea is that uh, we live to learn in our lives. And, and organizations, I think, have come to the conclusion that that's not something they can't say. They can't say to people, You're, you've now arrived, I just need you to buckle down and put your head down and work for eight, and that's that. Uh, we realized that working from home, for instance, during the pandemic has changed everything. And we find out, first of all, and during when people went home from the pandemic, and it's not a standard, but it's normal that people are actually more productive. Hmm. And yet they're doing their laundry and they're walking the dog. So the, the, what's the traditional approach, we find out you can be more, sometimes more productively at home. I think we miss the collaborative stuff that goes on in the workplace, but I do think that organizations are developing their people differently. I think they're, they're really much more interested in the collaborative process. They're much more interested in one mind and two minds don't equal two anymore. They just equal four or five. That's the real maximum in business, is to get that to happen routinely. And it's changing dramatically. They, they don't always have the question you asked and the answer I have, but they get it. You know, the get it thing, you know, yep. that's what I see. Hmm. It kind of seems like we need to introduce or allow for more fluidity in our institutions because maybe, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s, it's very, this is, this is how we do it. This is the structure that it's been and this, is, this has been working. And then all of a sudden something like an economic recession hits or a pandemic hits and they're like, well, wait a second, we could do this a different way. And it turns out sometimes that makes people happier. Absolutely. Not only happier, it actually makes them, uh, it, it engages them. How's that? It's a good way to say that. So it, just a little bit of background and all of you folks can look, look this one up. Um, in uh, New Zealand a few years ago, and I don't know exactly how many, and I, I ran into this because we were 
working with a client who had done research on this. In New Zealand, they did a study. And they, and they took a study and they wanted an engineer to stand over employees and kind of with a stopwatch and actually figure out how much of their day they actually did the work. You know what mm. I mean? Like grinding through the work. And, and the numbers were a bit staggering. They, they walked away with the idea that the actual head downtime for many people, most people, by the way, was about 30%. Mm. Which means that about 70% of your time was not the grind. But it wasn't non-productive. It was time spent in meetings or even time socializing, sharing ideas, brainstorming, doing yeah. things like this. So they said if 30 is the average and we as engineers have been going for 100, we've been doing it wrong. Mm. So we're starting to realize that. And so just to carry off the study, they brought it to America. They brought it to America, North America, intact. In yeah, my, you're <laughs> smiling at me because you know what's coming. So they brought it to America and they brought it to Canada. And they also brought it to Europe. So just to give you the big losers, Canada couldn't break 20%. Hmm. Okay. America, the standard was about 30. So hmm. if we say, and the reason they brought the study forward was because they wanted to prove the value of four days, 32 hours, and being able to get the work done in 40. Yep. Everybody who's on a 32-hour week says, absolutely, we'll do the work of 40, and we want to stick on our 32-hour schedule. You pay us like it was 40. How's that? Yeah. And of course, overwhelmingly, this was accepted. Why wouldn't you? But what you found out is how much wiggle room we have inside inside of our work generally, right? Yeah. And there's an old axiom that says if you give a person six hours of work and pay them for eight hours, they'll make it last eight hours. And if you give a person eight hours worth of work, uh, six hours worth of work, and you and you can they can do it in four, and you'll pay them for eight, they'll do it in four, mm. which tells you that the truth lies. So carry that idea off we the to me when people say to me i really don't have time to learn or i don't have time to do i don't generally say anything but i i'm rolling my eyes inside my head because mm -hmm. i know that that's just not true i think of making choices is true i think it's about priorities yeah what you choose to learn organizations are learning that people need to learn how's that is yeah. that is the answer to the question so that follows very naturally right into what motivates people. Yeah. Uh, one of the big mistakes I think that leaders have made over the years is to think that they actually have the power of motivation. Mm. Motivation is internal. It's, it's driven by us. The best we can do is create environments where motivation lives. And, and that's the easiest. It brings us back to kind of the theme of our whole program here, which is culture. If you create culture, culture to me is much like having... Uh, family values, you know, the way we talk to each other and the acceptance we have for one another. And it's all different in most families. Some families is, are uh, different than others. And my family has a certain value. I think uh, organizations generally don't. Their, their values are dictated through leadership, right? So what motivates people? What motivates people are environments where they can have joy, where they can have happiness, where they can feel connected where they feel like they're making um, significance in their life. But that significance has relevance. Mm. I mean, those are big words, but they mean a lot. Uh, if you find somebody who sells, for instance, cigarettes for a living, uh, knowing now what we know about what cigarettes do to the human body, pretty hard to feel significant, and it's mm. pretty hard to feel relevant. However, if you find people who work in a bank, who are giving people loans, who are... Or you're, or you're making a product that, that's useful in our society. You find out 
that motivation is there. We just need to find an environment where that's honored, where it's celebrated, where more and more happens. And then you find motivation. Um, and I love the people who love to come to work every day. And you, one question I want to ask them is why? Mm. Why? And you'll always hear the same answer. It's because I feel appreciated. I feel honored. I feel significant. I feel relevant. And that all comes from the leaders. All comes through the leadership. It all in the environments that they create. Right. The tone or don't, that they're setting. Or don't. Yeah. Right. Or don't. Right. So, what are the barriers for young leaders today? I think the barriers for young people today, from my perspective, is the ones they throw in front of themselves, like their youth. I hear people say, well, I'm not taken seriously because I'm too young. And I can't tell them to be older. And I can't give them gray hair. But here's what I can tell them. Maturity dictates a lot more of our success than people think. So be mature, right? So uh, older people actually have the other thing. I'm getting near the end of the run. And so therefore I can coast home, which mm. isn't relevant either. either. And so we place these barriers, these almost artificial barriers in front of ourselves. I'm not educated enough. I'm not old enough. Whatever we like to throw in front of ourselves. I think the best success stories don't have color, race, gender attached to them. They have people who are, who are honest enough to break down the barriers around them, but recognize them first. Mm. The first step to any change in our lives is the recognition of the need. And, and, if you're, and if you're placing things in front of you, I promise you, you'll stumble on them. If you take away the things that, that get in your way, and, and it's not easy. I mean, people, I think sometimes we like them. They keep, it keeps us from being successful. Mm. I've often wondered, I was asked the question a long time, do you, do you think people are more afraid of failure or success? And I think it's an intriguing question. And I think sometimes I think people are more afraid of success because more is expected of them. Right. More responsibility can be more put on your shoulders, yeah. more expectations. Yeah. And, and they don't know it like we just verbalized it, but they know it. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's something they feel. It's not something they say. So people say, well, they're afraid of failure. I think we've all recognized by now that failure is a part of life and that these failures, when best used, are just learning events. There are yeah. ways to get better and smarter and faster and, and all these kind of things. But the, the fear of, of failure for its own sake, I don't know. I mean, if you're setting yourself up for a big failure, then rethink, right? But I think people are actually, in my world, a little bit more afraid of success because mm. it brings responsibility. Now we have to be that person. Yeah. So there's the natural barriers from my perspective. So wrapping this all up, what do you think the one thing that's never going to change about developing leaders? I think the one thing that's never going to change is the, the human condition. Hmm. I think we are complicated people. And, and I, it, when we try to make it too simple, when we, when we sit with Dak and we think about you, Michael, as a really talented, smart young man, we're making a mistake because, <laughs> it, it, because you are all of that, but that's, that becomes a crutch too. Mm. We're all just here. We're travelers. And, and our only job, I mean, we can put money out there and we can put titles and positions and all the different things, but our legacy is to help one another. Mm. Just, that's really what we're here to do. We're here to make it a little bit easier. We are all going to the same place, different timelines, but we're all going to exactly the same place. And sometimes I think we think of life as a competition. And I would tell you, it's a collaboration if you choose.
Mm. You can compete. It doesn't end well often yep. when you compete. So when I think about it, I always think about the one thing that will ever change is the human condition. Every mm. single day, you will bring a blueprint that's a little different than yesterday. You'll have had a fight with your girlfriend. You will have had a flat tire on the way up. Maybe you aren't feeling real good because you ate something. You ate that pizza last night and it didn't sell right. Everybody's bringing something and lives are messy. Mm. Well, Ralph, thank you so much for sitting down with me today and talking about the trends in leadership development. This uh, wraps up podcast number two in the Culture Coaching with Priority Learning. Next time, we'll have the topic of how to create a learning organization. So be sure to tune in, subscribe to whatever channel you're listening to, and we will see you next time on the Priority Learning Podcast. Ralph, thank you so much. My pleasure, Michael. Thank you. And we'll see you next time, gang. Thank you.